So delighted to be sitting here with the newest subject of uh, NTT20 Meets, and it's Richie Wellins. Richie was a, a central midfield player, professional footballer who had a career spanning over 15 years, more than 700 first-team appearances in English football, um, starting with one off the bench for United, Manchester United, which we'll touch on, to longer spells at, at Blackpool, Oldham, Doncaster, Leicester, Doncaster again, uh, and then some shorter spells at the end of his career with Shrewsbury, Salford and Macclesfield. Moving into coaching and now management, Richie took over Oldham last season uh, when bottom of League One took 46 points from 36 games um, before suffering relegation on final day. And having left Oldham at the end of the season, he's back in business with Swindon in November. Um, So far, 26 points from 16 league games. 15 league games. Because the first one I was... I didn't really take the team. Was that Carlisle? That was Carlisle. Okay. I beat 4-0, so I'm trying to avoid that one. I just got here and, and just decided to go with a previous team from the previous week. Didn't have much time to work on anything tactical, so just said, you won, you won the week before against Woking in the Cup. Same same system, same personnel. And, it, and we played really well, to be honest. But yeah. it backfired in terms of the scoreline massively. And Carlisle this season... Yeah, they can win six and a bounce, and then they'll go and lose three or four and a bounce. So, yeah, I think obviously John Sheridan is someone who I know well. I knew he'd do well at Carlisle, and I think since he'd moved on, the, the form has dipped a little bit. Mm-hmm. We want to hear about your experiences as a player and as a manager. Um, so, we're going to start at the beginning, and Richie Wellens, the player. So, central midfield player, but sometimes six, <coughs> sometimes an eight, maybe once or twice, even a ten. Um, yeah, I think when I, when I was growing up, I was an eight. Up and down, um, and then I think when I signed for Steve McMahon at Blackpool, he wanted me going a little bit more forward, running ahead of the ball. Sixteen goals in two seasons under him. As I got later on in my career, um, sat mainly, and that that was just some of the personnel that I played with. I played with the likes of Andy King, who was better than me at you know, getting ahead of the ball, getting the box. His finishing was very good. So you understand that if I played in the middle midfield too with with Andy, then I would sit. Played at Doncaster in a three. Where I had Brian Stock, who was a very good holding midfield player, he could shield, shield the back four, and then myself and James Coppin could go anywhere on the pitch, interchange. So, they experienced all parts of midfield, but it was mainly down, mainly due to the personnel that I played with. And if you were now going to the chairman or director of football, whoever it would be in this hypothetical scenario, and you wanted to flag up a player that you wanted to sign, that was Richie Wellens, the player. How would you sell yourself? They couldn't afford me. No <laughs> chance. No, I'm only joking. Um, just someone who could, you know. And when I was when I was on me on me game and my two years at Doncaster, probably two years previous than that, um, I was playing really well in League One. I was League One team of the year for three years, three different clubs. Yeah. But never quite got. No one really took League One seriously. It was only that when I had the season in, in a Championship with Doncaster that people started. Taking notice because he's always a it's like Ricky Lambert, it's a good example. He plays in League Two, he can't do it in League One. He steps up to League, can't do it in the Championship, can't do it in the Premier League. So yeah. you always, you never get that opportunity unless you, you're thrust into it. And when I was I put into the Championship for the first year, in terms of performance, it was easy. We we dominated most games, we outpassed most teams. We just lacked that centre forward that could really. We finished mid-table. I think even in promotion season with Donny, I think top score in the league was like seven or eight. Yeah, I think, we, was it? we spread it around, yeah. but we would if we got if we went one nil up, you couldn't get the ball off us. Yeah. We'd frustrate you, and then we'd try and pick you off towards the end. But really good footballers, managed by a by a great manager, Sean O'Driscoll, who, who knew his football, knew 
knew how to get the best out of certain players. You know, and he was he was good for me. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We're going to touch a bit more on specifics of that Doncaster side uh, in a little bit. Let's start your early career coming through the ranks at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Previous. Um, subject on this series, Paul Heckingbottom uh, came through at the same club and we've heard about his experiences. You came through sort of mid to late 90s and you were part of the setup for, for quite a while, spotted mm. when you were 10 years old nine, and a, nine. nine years yeah. old uh, and, a, and a local guy. So can you try and remember what your, your mindset was coming through what was already a famous club and then especially the academy with the guys a few years above you became even more famous? I think... And a lot of players do it now. You take it for granted. I was at, I was playing at, at United, nine years old, got to 14, got offered a two-year schoolboy, along with a one-year apprenticeship, what it was back then, and then a four-year professional contract. Everything had come so easy. Mm. England of, under 16s, 17s, 18s, 19s. You just automatically think that it's just going to be, you know, you, you, you look at it. Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, Beckham, and Neville's, Wes Brown, who's in my... You just think you're going to be the next one. He's, he's just going to continue. Was four um, years a lot then? Or was that quite normal for a you know a talent? A four-year no, professional? Yeah, yeah, it was usually a, a one or a two-year. Four-year was myself, a couple of older players, John Curtis, Jonathan Macken uh, got it. And I think the only one in my year was, was Wes Brown. So it was it was a long, good contract at the time. Ryan Kidd, Nobby Styles. Um, and then when I was full time, it was uh, Neil Baylor, Eric Harrison, um, Jim Ryan. Brilliant coaches, brilliant, give you brilliant, brilliant grounding. Technically, they, obviously, they got the best out of you playing with brilliant players every single day. So, in terms of a football education, you can't ask for you can't ask for much more. Yeah, and you you made one appearance for the first team in the League Cup against Villa. Mm. It was a year, I think, that. United opted out of the FA Cup, wasn't it? Having won the treble the year before, so they didn't play in the FA Cup that yeah, I think season. Yeah, they had the Super Cup. That's the right. World Club Cup, yeah, the, what is now yeah, yeah. the World Club Cup? Yeah. So they've opted out of the FA Cup, and then a, a team that was made up of a lot of youngsters that yeah. day. I think Luke Chadwick was in the side, John yeah. O'Shea as well. Yeah. Just a, a brief taste of professional football in the Manchester United kit. Off the top of my head, I can only remember Mark Boslich was in that. Ollie Solskjaer, Yardy Cruyff, Ronnie Johnson might have played. Mm. But it was, a, it was a young team. I remember warming up and getting abused off the Aston Villa fans saying, you've got school in the morning. Back then, you didn't have no, you didn't have none of these fitted kits, what they have now. One size fits all, I'm okay. afraid. And we were skinny young boys. We had an XL kit. I remember coming on, Mick Phelan said, go and warm up, you're coming on. And I was looking at the clock and I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to warm up. I'm ready. I'm, I'm fine. Straight, straight on. And I'd spent most of the time looking at the clock thinking, please don't come down. Just, just try and stay still. I enjoyed it. I thought I'd done, I thought I'd done okay as well. And it was obviously a tough, tough game because Villa, Villa then had a good team, very physical. Colin Caldwell, Dion Dublin, some really, you know, had a lot of internationals in the team as well. So it was a tough experience because we had so many youngsters. It wasn't like he, he put in one or two. But, he, but Sir Alex has done that for years. Put them in the in the league club and and then see, see what what youngsters could deal with it, and then obviously see where you are. When you left United, you joined Blackpool. Mm. What was the transition from, as you said, the unbelievable footballing education as a young, well, as an academy player and then a young professional, mm. to then joining a you know football league club, dropping down a few tiers, and basically becoming a proper professional player? Yeah. What do you remember about that? I'd left Carrington and Old Trafford to go and play at Bloomfield. Well, I had two sides, 
to the ground because he was in the in the middle of converting the stadium. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what have I done? <laughs> Train at Squires Gate where if you're doing crossing finishing, you need to aim for the halfway line for the ball to still be in play by the time it comes into the box. It was that window. Um, so the environment was obviously difficult. I remember my first rollicking off, off Steve McMahon. If you don't effing win second balls, then you're coming off. Phrases like hit the channel, turn them, second balls. And I honestly, and I said to him, I, I said, I don't know what second ball. Even when the ball goes there, you get tight to midfield. Anyway, I got the Grisby. It was probably about six months down the line. We was we was in League Two at that time, and I just made. I just looked around and said, "Where? How, how did I get here? If I don't do well here, then I'm finished. I'm finished mm. as a football player. But within a year, I could be from Manchester United to be totally out of the game. So decided just to to try and be more professional. I wasn't the most professional teenager, um, and then at the end of that season, we won promotion at the Millennium Stadium. So it was good first season. How did the choice get made to move to Blackpool from United? Like, how does it work at that point where you realise um, you've got to leave United? And you hadn't known anything else. Did you have an agent who found your club? Or no, like agents weren't necessarily about. And it was more. I just wanted to get out. I just I realised that I want the, the midfield that they had. There, I was never going to get in the first team. I just wanted to get out anywhere. I would have gone anywhere just to play first team football to find out what it was about. I made my debut at Stokes instead of playing at Lower Gig Lane um, at Berry. That's where we played the reserve game. Sometimes at Old Trafford, in front of hardly any people. I was playing at Britannia, it was for Blackpool, but playing for a 25, it was brilliant. Mm. All of a sudden I thought, you know what, I can actually make a career for myself here. Yeah, but that first season went well, we finished, uh, we won the playoffs at the Millennium Stadium and I thought, you know what, I can I can actually go on and have a good career for myself here. Yeah, and you spent five years mm. at Blackpool. Yeah, but... too long. Yeah. I spent far too long. When I when I left United, I, they had a 50% sell so it was in uh... Carl Oyston's interest never to really let me go, so... I was a little bit stupid. I nearly went to Bristol City, but I actually enjoyed it. We had a, a young squad, the average age. I think it was only Colin Hendry, Simon Grayson, were the older pros at the time, Mike Milligan. But the rest of them was had a lot of 21, 22. So you yeah. can imagine as soon as we finished the game, it was all out. We had a drink together. We enjoyed it. you know. But again, stayed there too long. Should have moved my career on quicker. When you did move on, it was to Oldham. Yeah. Two seasons at Oldham. The second season, you lost in the playoff semi to Blackpool mm. must have been a, just just one of those uh, sort of personal annoyances yeah well it wasn't the easiest to take if I'm being honest uh, was it a bit of controversy moving from Blackpool to Oldham or? well it was more frustrating when the Blackpool fans were singing um, you greedy so and so yeah I actually didn't move for that much money you know what I mean it was back then your money was, wasn't great it was the fact that Blackpool wanted Scott Vernon from Oldham so they used we obviously to to waive the fifty percent. Sort of circumvent the exactly. Uh, yeah. the so Oldham was on my doorstep. I just had a just had a baby boy. It was convenient, and it was Oldham is a it was the first ground that I ever played on Oldham. So and I had an affinity with the club. So it made sense, and I went there. Like I said, I was in league team team of the year. We finished in the playoffs. Um, unfortunately to get beat I think my playoff game was the last game I left I left after the playoff game Paul Warren was in that team as well yeah. wasn't he what yeah, do you, was. you remember of him as a player uh, Warren just used to do my running he was a brilliant athlete <laughs> just, when he won it back he just used to give me the ball to supply some quality but um, no Warren was a good, good pro um, could finish we had him Andy Little Sean Gregan some good some good older professionals but again yeah I should probably not have moved he was a very sideways step but 
Again, didn't have anyone in my life to, to manage my career, no agents at the time. I've had loads of regrets in my career, but one of them was, you know, not moving up the up to the championship was quicker than what I, what I ended up getting there. Yeah, in the end, and you kind of touched on it earlier, a lot of players have, and managers as well have to win promotion with the team they're with in order to get to the level that they're pretty much suited to. And that's what happened with Doncaster. So you joined Donny <coughs> on paper, it looks like anyway, just a great period for you as a player. Yeah, we. Um, I turned up, I'd obviously seen a stadium, realised that the club wanted to go places. John Ryan was a, was a fantastic guy. He was a chairman of the club. And Sean O'Driscoll and Richard O'Kelly, real football people. Straight away, I felt a connection with them too. And um, after the first season, we, we, we beat Leeds at Wembley, 80,000. The style of football that we played, the way that we won promotion, we... And that we we turned up at, at Wembley day be, a couple of days before just to go and have a look at the stadium because Sean didn't want us to turn up to Wembley and, and be a little bit you know surprised by the by the size of the stadium be a little bit in awe of it. So we went to watch it and Leeds were on the opposite half. Look at us, and we just looked. We looked across. We made eye contact with a few of the Leeds, but we just knew we was going to beat them. We knew, we played them twice before. They actually beat us at, at the keep mode and we beat them at Ellen Road. But we knew in terms of football, they had some big names in the in the team. But we knew in terms of the football style that we played, they knew the, we was a better football team. And we, we, we used to have this feeling that you're going to win. So to to go Doncaster after one season, Doncaster beating Leeds at, at Wembley in front of 80,000 people, it was a bit... Yeah, you, you know, it was a brilliant story. You, you're basically in the automatics for most of the second half of the season and yeah. fell out on final day. So <laughs> that's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? it yeah. Generally, psychologically, you'd think... Oh, you know they've kind of bottled that. Yeah. Maybe they won't fancy the playoffs. So what, what happened was we actually took our going out gear because we thought this is a given. We knew that if we won, Nottingham Forest couldn't overtake us. We went one nil down. Sean actually gave me a right rollicking at half time. Um, I was I was injured. I needed a double hernia, but decided to try and delay it till the end of the season. And then um, we pulled it back to one one. We got beat and we didn't go up. And I remember looking and thinking, I hope no one sees us get, take our going out gear off. Comes in a Monday and we had a meeting and I stood up and said, listen, okay, it's a massive disappointment, massive disappointment. But Swansea had just won promotion. They won the league. They won it at Brighton away. I think it was at Wolf Dean in front of 8,000. Okay, great great for them. Brilliant event. Nottingham Forest had just won promotion. I think they won it at home um, at the city ground, 25,000. I said, we've got a chance to get to Wembley. He says, fair enough, we've, we've wasted that opportunity. Let's not dwell on it. Let's look forward, we can win at Wembley. And we can look at Swansea and Nottingham Forest. And thanks for that, because we can win at Wembley in front of 8,000 people. And then the first leg we played away at Southend, I was injured. I just couldn't move. My double earning was really taking taking effect. We drew 0-0. Uh, then I played in the return leg. I had an injection before the game. We won 5-0. James Coppin just got a hat-trick. He was outstanding on the night. And then about five injections, one in each side, one up me in, in my buttock, just to try and get through the game at Wembley. I wasn't missing it, and I lasted seventy minutes. And, we, and James Hayter scored the winner. But but to play at Wembley is brilliant. It doesn't matter if, you, if it's the FA Cup final; mm. it was still full, brilliant experience. I want to ask you about two of the the key personnel of that team. First mm. of all, Sean O'Driscoll, not currently managing in the mm. FL. I think uh, Walsall sixteen seventeen seasons the last time we saw him mm. uh, at a management level. But if you just look back and read what you can about this Doncaster side, mm. it comes back to Sean O'Driscoll, a style of play that was unusual at the time in its in its beauty, I guess. 
how much of an influence was he uh, on you as a player and, and now that you're starting your steps in management, how, how good was he basically? I think the biggest compliment we can give him is at half time we had some big clubs, really big clubs. We're walking out for the second half and some top players in the championship come out and say, can we not just leave the second half and just give you the three points and we can go home so we're not chasing shadows for 45 minutes. So it wasn't because you were physically battering them, it was passing around yeah, them? Yeah, it was just passing around them. And then he carried, when I left, myself and Matt Mills left, um, and he used the money to buy Billy Sharp, and he got John Oster in, who was a good footballer. And he just continued it. Um, I think he just gave, he had certain ways, certain system of playing to overload certain areas of the pitch. But he gave players belief. You know, I used to go. I used to go on the pitch knowing that I don't care who I'm playing. I'm going to be the best player on this pitch. Mm. I'm going to play one twos round you. I'm going to. I'm going to run off you. Um, I'm going to play in front of you. And as soon as you engage me, I'm going to play in the spaces that you leave. He was just. He was just really good. Um, Richie O'Kelly again was the same because Colin Sean. If you speak to Sean or you listen to him, he can be quite dour at times. He can, but one on one, he's very engaging. Richie O'Kelly on the run, class always. Half full, perfect totally, partnership, totally opposite, and he worked, worked brilliantly in tandem together. Yeah. And what do you think when you see Coppinger still making people in League One, mm. one of the top assist makers in the league? It doesn't surprise me. I, I had a bet three, four years ago saying I play more games than him. Um, I think I've still got more games than him, but he's fit. I mean, again, he's lived his life right all the way through, and can this year look at him now? He's he's probably not put an ounce of fat on. Um, but he, he's a great. Great player. He should have played higher. Um, his ability, maybe his lack of goals stopped him from playing higher, but he should have had... I look at some some of the players now who, who win promotion from the Premier League and go and have little dabbles in the Premier League and here and there. Shocking that he hasn't had a chance in mm. the Premier League because he technically, I think in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, he was a very good player. You've got to move to Leicester. Decent transfer fee as well. The first three seasons when you were very much first team, it was quite a lively time at the club in terms of the managers you played under, you know, the fact that the first season playoffs, losing the semi-final on pens, and then the two seasons after that with quite a lot of chopping and changing going on, the club is sort of 10th, 11th, 12th. How good a team was that in terms of personnel? How how different was that move? I probably played about five different teams. So, obviously, it's a big club. Um, and when I joined, he just won promotion from League One. And I had about four or five other options. Um, and I just thought, you know what? I'd seen it happen before that people use that that winning mentality, that feel-good factor to not just go League One championships, go championship Premier League again. And we had a very rigid team, 4-4-2. Steve Howard up front, Matty Fry just off him. Myself and Andy King in midfield. Um, strong experience back four. Wouldn't really excite you. So totally the opposite to where I'd come from. Yeah. But power, um, game management was very good. You know, and we and we, we didn't lose many games. I think we finished fifth. I think yeah. fifth in the in the championship. Matty Fryer had scored twenty goals from the start of the season to the middle of December. He got injured. If he would have stayed fit, we would have gone up. No, yeah. no doubt about it. We we lost his goals. Martin Wagon coming for and done okay, but Matty was as older, more the, the more. Com- player at the time and then obviously we, we got to the playoffs we, we lost the playoffs and then the you know the revolving door what happened in the next few years yeah so Nigel Pearson was the manager at the time and then the next season starts with Paolo Souza. Yeah. he lasts a month or two months maybe 
and then Sven comes in. This is Sven post um, post foray at Notts County, post Mexico and Ivory Coast, post Man City. Obviously, what what was it like playing for him? What I had my best year. I went from being a Ridgewood four four two L Andy King bomb on. He got the goals, um, and I just try and hold midfield play and, and, and get us starters playing. Um, he gave me a freedom. He, he he let me go a bit like Sean Driscoll. Let me go and play. As a man manager, he's brilliant. Um, but again, it was just we had so many players. Mm-hmm. Was some players upset. The dressing room was a bit discontent at times. Um, it was only really until Nigel returned to the club that he, he got that you know solid foundations and got the dressing room back. Uh, you played for a few other clubs after Leicester, back to Donny. Yeah. Two and a half years, I think, back at Donny. The first season, yeah. you didn't really look like you were going to go down at all and then a really poor run of form and you go down on final day? Probably my fault. because well, I wouldn't say my fault, but I got injured. Um, we played Leeds away. I hooked a ball just down the channel and someone kicked the bottom of my foot. And I thought, and I thought the stud had gone into through my boot and into the bottom of my foot. So I had to kick man to get me, me, me with a pair of boots. He comes out and I put them on and that was the same. So I took me and I'm just like, something don't feel right. Anyway, won that game 2-1. I came off with about 15 minutes ago and I sat in a dressing room thinking, I've got seven games left. We've done, we've done enough. I thought, I'm not going to play another game. I'm, my foot's gone. We lost five, drew two and went down last day of the season on goal difference. So for me to get injured with seven games to go and I was in good form I was playing well we, we was a competent team in the championship considering it was Paul Dickos first season he was doing a good job and to get relegated on the last day on goal difference in a manner that, that Birmingham what happened at Birmingham v, v Bolton it, it destroyed the club for a little bit because we lost a load of players um, obviously if you're trying to attract players at a championship it's a lot easier than in League One but yeah I just always think back because if I wouldn't have got injured, we would have, we were 100% stayed up. Mm. Um, in the few years after you left Donny, you had a couple mm. of short spells. Is that the point where the transition into coaching and, and now management was sort of fresh in the mind? You, you started to have, to have new objectives. How did you sort of want to go about that? <clears throat> so I, I realised I was about to finish and Mickey Mellon rang me up at, at Shrewsbury and said, I'll give you an 18-month deal. I said, Mickey, I'm 36. He went, no, come in, keep us up this year and I'll give you an 18-month deal. I probably should have said, no, Mickey, just give me a... I think I can still offer a dressing room a little bit. My legs have gone, but I can still play. I can still, I've still got ability to open teams up and to, to pass the ball about. Um, went to Shrewsbury, stayed up. And that summer I was on my on uh, B licence in Northern Ireland, taking my B licence. And I was, as I was on my B licence, Mickey ran me up and said, Rich... I'm going 4-4-2. I want me two midfield players to up and down, second balls, get crosses in the box, second balls, recycle the ball, get out wide. I said, obviously, you don't have enough energy to do that. I said, Mickey, not a problem. Um, I'll report for pre-season and, I'll, and I'll, I'll weigh up my options. I'll see what we do. I stayed another couple of months at the start of the season and Salford came in. It allowed Salford allowed me to train Tuesday, train Thursday, play on a Saturday. So I still had the love for the game. I just mm. knew my body was... My mind was getting better as a footballer. But my body was deteriorating, so it kept me fit in, in, in terms of reasonable shape. But then Monday to Friday, I'd be going out, I'd be coaching kids, I'd be offering universities, I'd be offering soccer schools, um, foreign foreign uh, kids exchange, mm. just to go in. 
coach the kids for two, three hours for free, just to, because I knew there was no way that I was going to finish football and then go and coach a first team. If yeah. I did, I might get shown up. Mm. Because if I make mistakes, if I've shown vulnerabilities, if I've shown weaknesses to first team players, they'll pounce on you. You know, and you'll I'd look a fool. So what I've done is I've made mistakes, I'd get me stutters out taking the young kids, but they would not they'd not they'd not pounce on me. They'd let me they'd let me coach, yeah. they'd let me make mistakes. So I probably had about six, eight months of that. And then I went to Ireland a year after to do my A licence. Then I was fully quiet fully re, you know qualified. Fully qualified yeah. to be a to be a coach, to be a manager, and then obviously I think right now I want to get on the ladder of. I've started at the bottom, at, at being a football player, and I've worked my way up to a really good level. Now I'm back at the bottom again, in terms of the coaching ladder. Yeah. Now I need to work my way back up. Um, so I took a decision to go on. I played a little bit at Macclesfield again, waiting for an opportunity to come up. That was just a friend of mine, Alan Auburn, had been injured, um, and John Askey wanted a replacement midfielder for a couple of months. And I just said, listen, I'll come in as soon as all he's fit. Then obviously. I'm quite happy to step away. Um, and then the opportunity to join John Sheridan at Oldham came up. And you, you'd already played under John, hadn't you? Mm. Was that at That was at Oldham. Oldham. So John Sheridan and Tommy Wright, two people who've got a lot of time for and, and, and in older game. And good. John's a good manager. He's managed hundreds and hundreds of games and been successful. He's always, if he's gone in a difficult situation, he's always kept teams up. He's been promoted with, I think, Plymouth and Chesterfield. So, you know, I knew that what I'd be watching is the right is the mm. right thing. What was it like picking up tips and tricks from John Sheridan and, and watching him? But obviously, as we've seen in uh, your teams that you've managed so far, perhaps in terms of style of play, quite different to, to John Sheridan and the way that his teams were generally set up. Quite a good thing, maybe, because you get to see a different way. Were there times where you're biting your tongue thinking... No, it depends what you like. I think John made a decision to play a certain way. We had Aaron Holloway and Craig Davies up front. You know, two two big lads. Um, but no, at that time, I wasn't taking many sessions. I was obviously watching and seeing what was going on. But Tommy and John liked to do the sessions themselves, which was, I knew my place, I knew where I stood. and would never, never, you know, speak out of turn. It, they wanted to take the sessions fine. I'm watching, I'm taking these sessions down, I'm learning. But more often than not, I was training, I was joining training every day. He actually came to a point where I was the best player. So he actually he asked me a question, would you consider coming back? But no, I, I, I knew I enjoyed training every day, but there was no real intensity to me to me training. So I, I knew that that had gone. My my main my main goal was watching what John done, watching what Tommy Wright done, seeing certain body language of the players when he done certain stuff. What sessions did we do the week to a good performance? What session did we do to a poor performance? So, um, yeah, I think in terms of the couple of months I had, I learned quite quickly. I, I obviously learned a lot quicker when I got chucked in at the deep end and then it's sink or swim time. Yeah, so you took over as caretaker yeah. after John left the club's bottom of the league. And then there's a real there's a real bounce, isn't there? And that must have been a, a kind of an amazing first few weeks. You know, your first opportunity as a number one, yeah. unbelievable start. What did you put that down to? We'd just been beat by Rotherham on a Saturday five-one. We hadn't played eleven. We'd lost ten. We won one against Bristol Rovers. We didn't score many goals, so it was actually relief when we scored. Never mind, get three points. And the chief exec had pulled me and just said, "Listen, we'd like to take the team." On Tuesday, you've got Monday session, that's it. 
So I just had half an hour on my own. I said, listen, I need to make this session important. I need to make it intense. I need to put my point across quick. And I need to make a few things that make the... Because the players knew my character. Mm. They knew her. So I was joining training for them. I was one of the lads half. I was a go-between between the manager and the players. But I was always more on the players' side. Whatever the players would say would never get to the manager. And I think the players trusted me. But I needed to make statements that the lads would would actually sit back and you, f- you felt strongly that you didn't have to do that oh 100% 100% so I, I dropped Gerard who was one of the the, the main the, mm. the main character in the dressing room yeah. he hadn't been playing up to scratch I think he known that I had a chat with him before the game but I need to make sure I, I told him I said, you've not been good enough I'm going to drop you said, but if I see any of your body language now you, you're disrupting any of the other players you're trying to drag any other players with you he says I'll put you back in because you're a good player but I need to take you out because you've not been good enough for the previous weeks. And he was great. He understood it. I probably made four or five changes. We played Peterborough at home, second in the league. We was winning 1-0. We bring their, uh, one of their lads down for a penalty. We go down to 10 men at 1-1. And then Tony Phyllis-Gurk, who was helping me out, he just says, get, get, bring Davies off. I said, no, no. I said, if we draw the game, I ain't getting a job. We need to win it. Keep Doyle, keep Davies on, and we'll go 4 3 2. We'll try and stay really narrow because Peterborough at the time had really good footballers. He had um, Mario up front, yeah. not really a threat from crosses. I was quite yeah. comfortable with them putting the ball in the box. I didn't want, I didn't want them to, to play through us. We went 2 1 up, and I was just about to get a striker on, and we went 3 1 up. <laughs> so then obviously that was time to, to shut up shop, yeah. and, and, and in the end, the referee puts eight minutes up of injury time, they pull one back, we won 3 2. Saturday after that, we go down to Portsmouth in front of 20,000 and win 2-1. And, and then the week after that, we beat Blackburn at home 1-0. Blackburn didn't lose for 25 games after that. So we played three teams that are proper teams um, and done great. And I'd, I'd made, as soon as we beat Portsmouth away, um, I decided that I wanted to try and... I wanted, I wanted the job, but made massive errors in the way that I went about it. Like? Things like... Beat Portsmouth away, and the chairman was about to take over. Can I come in? Can I see the players? I was, yeah, no problem. Come in, see the players. Then we beat Blackburn on the Saturday. Can I come in? Can I see the players? Yeah, come in, come in. Then I beat Crib in a checker trade game. I asked, I asked him, do I need to win this game to get the job? If I if I need to win this game, I'll put a strong team out. If I don't need to win the game, then I'll be a little bit more relaxed because the next league game is the most important. Mm-hmm. Anyway, didn't really give me a definitive answer, so I put a strong team out. We win the game, and then I get the job after that. And then I should have drew a line. I should have said, right, this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. But I never, and it continued to happen where it got to the stage where it was pretty, it was pretty ridiculous in the end. We had I had meetings with him, but I couldn't change his mindset because he'd seen it, and he and and he enjoyed the the camaraderie with when you when you're winning. Mm. Then he enjoyed that, but I should have. Line. and that's again that's me learning because it would never happen now it would never happen so in terms of what people think managers need to be really good at probably one of the underrated things is I think what they call in management speak managing upwards isn't it that's it's not one. it's not just what you have to do with the players and staff yeah, I told them I was managing my time 80% upwards 20% on the field with the players at mad it was some of the situations I was I was putting some of the scenarios that I had to deal with were just just ridiculous it was hard and it was I think now if you look at the club there's probably been 
over 20 changes of staff. And I was having a daily basis where staff were coming in and say, I want to leave. I'm not being paid. This hasn't happened. That's not happened. I want to leave. Now, I have to manage them to try and not just convince them to stay, but convince them to stay and be happy and, and work in a good environment. And it gets to a stage where when you're doing it for one and two months, you're all right. And it gets to fourth and fifth month. It just drains the energy out of you. Mm. Um, yeah, the office staff, every 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 staff, trying to keep them happy. And obviously trying to keep the players happy because they weren't being paid as well. January was your first transfer window yeah. as a as a number one. Again, a quite a quite a lively transfer yeah. window, wasn't it? There was a there was a lot of movement. Not really for me. No. If I'm being honest, no. I had players put on me that I didn't want. Again, wouldn't happen now. Mm. But when you put in a certain situation, I thought it got to the, the end of January and I thought I don't want to be here. I don't want to be at this club. The first of February, sorry, the thirty first of January at ten o'clock at midnight, we signed someone who had never heard of. And I finally found out about it. Driving to training on the 1st of February, it, the local radio had said, new signing, such and such, but he's looking forward to making his debut on Saturday. I was like, who the is he? Mm. I'd never heard of him. I decided then that I didn't want to be at the club. But I spoke to a few people and just said, listen, you've done a great job. You're going you're gonna to stay up. You're going to stay up. Once you've stayed up and the people that know the problems that you've had to deal with, then you can get you'll get another job, and it's probably that what convinced me to stay as well. As long as being stubborn and actually liking Oldham as a club mm. wanted me to stay, but um, yeah, it just got more difficult and more difficult, and and in the end, couldn't see clearly, couldn't see clearly. Really? So I made rational decisions, which wasn't for the benefit of the team. It was more stubbornness just to try and actually try and bring a bit of control my way. Too far gone at that point. It was well too far gone. It was got to the stage where I didn't actually want to see certain people in the club. Yeah. Even so, I think if you project the points per game that you got yeah. over the course of a season, it would have been a comfortable, comfortable survival story. And I'm looking at the last nine games. I'm seeing one win, one defeat, and seven draws. It's like yeah. completely on a knife edge. Hundred percent. I think I lost three out of the last sixteen. So we was always in games. I'm a, like you said, my, my record was mid-tables. Okay, you can put relegation on my CV, but I'm proud of keeping a group of players together for as long as I did because they were having problems. Very relegated with six, seven weeks of the season to go. And that's really what should have happened to us. Mm. But we managed to keep people on side for as long as possible. And it, if it wasn't for a ridiculous decision against Gillingham at home in the 93rd minute for one of the players to punch an opposition player and give a penalty away, then we would have stayed up. Yeah, that was one of the more remarkable incidents uh, of the EFL season last year. Uh, when you left Oldham, you said, this is a, a quote that I've read, uh, you've, I've learned a great deal from the experience, hope to find a role with a club that matches my ambition, believes in a long-term project to develop players, a club identity and a playing philosophy. Uh, so we're meeting here in your office at Swindon Town. You've been here for three months or so. Uh, how how positive are you feeling about the first three months here and, and trying to hit on those things you were looking for when you left Oldham? One of the biggest selling points was the chairman's a great character um, and, I, and I got on with him straight away and I really liked him. And I went through different things about the club. The pitch is magnificent. The pitch is brilliant all year round. When I Oldham, I had three months of playing brilliant football and he got to 
mid-December, late December, the pitch had just gone. You know, Paul Scholes will find it now because he's he want you know he's a brilliant footballer. He want to play football himself, but the pitch dictates the way that you want to play football. So I wanted to to go somewhere which wouldn't change my ideas on the way that games should be played. Um, and you can you can ask for them certain things in a in a job interview, but this club's been brilliant so far. Everything that I've asked for is, is running smoothly. The points returned from where we've come from. The games played has been good. Mm. Um, I think we seventeenth. Someone took over. You take over. You, you're in a building one day, and your first game is a four 0 defeat at home, and the crowd are discontent. You're thinking, you know, in, in my head, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking we're in trouble. Here. Mm. And I'm looking down. I'm thinking we could get relegated because the club's a little bit unbalanced. A lot, the fans aren't happy. We need to make an impact pretty quickly. And then we won the next three on the bounce. That kind of just turn the tide a little bit and I think from then we, we didn't play great football in them three games but we just we got the results mm. and now the fans are slowly coming we play a high press you know away from home we're very good in a counter attack and we try and play some good football so it's just about building if there's no one putting any pressure on me this season to get in the playoffs from where we've come from mm. can we build can we look to the future if we don't make the playoffs this year we've got certain fundamentals certain foundations that the players had to adhere by that going on to next season we can start quickly mm. quicker than we did this season that gives us a chance to be in, in a shout for promotion next year Anyone who's who's watched Swindon under Richie Wellens is hard not to notice um, especially relative to, to League 2 uh, the style of football that you're, that you're implementing at the moment you, you touched on it there high press very patient in, in possession how easy is that to to implement, how do you go about that? I mean, when you come in in the middle of a season, do you find it easy to to say, this is how I'm going to play and to get that message across? I think you've got to get the balance right because when a new manager comes in, these players that are going to think, does this, fancy, does this manager fancy me? There's going to be players that you pick straight away that, that you like yeah. and there's going to be players that you don't pick straight away that you need to watch, you need to manage them. The ones who you're picking, they're fine because they're playing. But you're going to need these players because you haven't, I haven't seen, I've seen them loads on DVDs, loads of games, but I haven't worked them day out, day in, day out. I haven't seen a character. I haven't seen what happens when they go 1-0 down after five minutes. Are they hiding? Do they show for the ball? Do they still want it? So it's just about, one thing I've not done, we've not, we, we, we still need to improve about in our patience but then and quicken up at the right time. Um, and we need to improve that. But I've not asked them to do anything that they're not capable of doing. Yeah. Um, Watching uh, watching some clips of the last few games, says I was watching the basically the chances you created against Grimsby in the last yeah. game, and there are times where you can hear one or two people in the stands shouting, "Get it forward!" when it's being worked around the back yeah. four and, and trying to probe. And Grimsby were sitting in and difficult to get through. But if you were to sit down with a fan who's shouting, "Get it forward!" and just have a minute to say, "This is what I'm trying to do," and and justify it, how sometimes do you... that's an English mentality. So if I'm a centre-back in the opposing team and we're playing a 5-4-1, if you keep putting that ball onto my head, I'm happy. Straight balls, I'm never having to move. I'm not getting tired because I'm staying in the same zone all the time. Same with the full-backs. If you're playing, if you're playing against that and you keep working them side to side and you keep having to get leg work, there's a reason why Man United scored so many goals when they Alex Ferguson. is because they don't change the way they play. They keep doing the right things. They keep working getting it wide then to the opposite side can you play through you no keep getting it wide keep doing the right things 
all of a sudden people get tired people switch off and then the opportunity comes to, to play that slide pass where someone gets in one on one or to get the crossing behind the centre back because he hasn't recovered into his position properly um, our goal against Grimsby was I think we've made 15-16 passes and then they retreat into an area where my centre back is stepping out into an area he can put a good ball in and then my striker scores so um, let's say there's five minutes of the game left you get it forward mm. you've just got to you should see how it is, but again, we haven't got a six foot four centre forward. Mm. We haven't got a big target man, so we've got to work into areas where our strikers can be effective. If I've got a six foot five centre forward, if I've got a Peter Crouch, then put the ball in, put the ball in. But it's about what personnel you've got. Yeah, you've got some really technical players, players that can play this short passing style, can beat a man. The perception is, I think that. Often a team that plays like that, I'm not talking about Swindon specifically, but teams that play this sort of very attractive style can be a little frail defensively, uh, concede soft goals or struggle a bit against a, a really direct side or a bit vulnerable on the counter-attack if they've overcommitted. How do you try and make sure that's not going to be the case with, with this side? I think if you look at the teams at every single level, if they nail it by playing the right way, they can go on again. So when they when they do get promoted, Bournemouth are a great example. Played against Bournemouth in coming towards the end, League One. We got went away, we got beat 4-0. I'm thinking, I've just been given a run around. Went into the championship and done it to every single then go into the Premier League and do it to the Premier League and you're still talking seven, eight, same personnel. So Eddie Howe realised what he wanted to do, stuck by it, but it's about getting if if you've got all the ball, yeah. And then they put it in your box and you can't defend because your centre-half isn't strong enough. Get another centre-half in. Yeah. Coach him. Give him the opportunity to turn it around. Give him all the information that he needs. But if he's not doing, you need you need to change it. So I always believe you look at you look at League 2 this year, Lincoln, a big physical team, defend both boxes very well. When you look at the three or four teams below that, MK Dons play very good football. Berra play very good football. Forest Green play very good football. For me, it's, it's there in black and white. Yep. The best football team in the Premier League, Liverpool and Man City, I know they've got the most money. And then you look at Wolves in the Championship last year. Yep. Great example. Expansive, play brilliant football. It's difficult for the opposition to work out at times. They go into the Premier League and they just took on to another level. So it comes back to you think, talking about uh, implementing a philosophy, not just for and, this season. And sticking by it. The yeah. easiest thing for a manager to say, replay. But then when... Your team comes under a little bit of pressure, get it forward. Well, that's just totally neat. You, you're contradicting yourself, you're confusing your players, and that's that's not a good thing. Mm. Um, I think if you're a team that goes long and you get success by it, it'll take you only a certain way. Yeah. You're waiting week in, week out. When that ball goes up to that striker and he's, you're looking for second balls, does it land for you? Yeah, it does. You win the game. Next week, doesn't land for you. The week after, it doesn't land for you. You always rely on a little bit of luck. I think when you're a team like Wolves and, and Bournemouth, as I've said, you're in control of your own destiny because mm. you, you've got possession of the ball and you're trying to create your own opens. How much do you uh, react to or consider and then react to the opposition that you're coming up against in mm. terms of shape, style, tactics? Yeah, because it, even in League Two, yeah. more teams than ever playing three at the back, yeah. still some are old school type teams. Uh, it's a bit of everything. So, it, you know, with games coming thick and fast, it, it must kind of be quite tough sometimes. So that's changed a little bit because when I'm manager of Oldham in League One, I look at every single squad and playing Blackburn and playing Wigan, big budget, some really good players. And every single week, my squad, my team is inferior 
to the opposition. Mm -hmm. So I've got a group of players that aren't as good as the opposition. So if I'm open and I try and match them and, and just concentrate on my team only, we'll get cut to shreds. We'll lose most weeks. What you've got to do is you've got to try and have your, this is what we want to do. But out of possession, we have to give certain teams a mark of respect because you're older in League One, you've got the lowest budget. You've got Now it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We've got some good players. So in certain, in certain, against certain teams, I don't even concentrate on the opposition. We, we, we try and affect our game. Managed to press MK Dons pretty well the other day. But that's a, yeah, but that's a certain team that you play against. Again, we don't change the way that we're going to play. It's just that we knew they, they don't really go long. So there's no fretting behind. So we can we can step 10 yards further up. The space in between the midfield and the back four has to be small because you've got players that want to come into pockets. But then when you get the ball in the back, leave the two centre-backs on it. Let, don't press them. As soon as the player press into midfield or try a ball into midfield or a ball to the full-back, that's the trigger that we're going to press and we try and get the next, next pass and nick it as high up as, as possible mm. because we've got quick players. And if they don't, if we do win the ball back high up, they ain't going to catch us. Lincoln, for example, totally opposite. You know that ball is going into your box. You can't commit fouls. Against MK Dons, you can commit fouls, you can break the game up because you know it's hand-on play and they play in front of you again. You commit fouls against Lincoln, the ball's going in your box. You let a kinder, you let Boswick, you let Shackle, three or four others go in your box. He dies in his death. So mm. you have to, totally different week in, week out. But that's, for Swindon in this league, we try and get our, our game more often than not across to the opposition. So at Oldham, where I'm probably thinking I'm working 60-70% on the opposition and only th it's probably 80% yeah, yeah. on us and 20% on whatever the opposition may be. I mentioned the MK Dons game there. Michael Doughty scored a little dink penalty. Mm. I was watching uh, some Leicester fans put a compilation, a short compilation of you playing for Leicester on yeah. YouTube. It's set to Coldplay or something. It's yeah. as if you've passed away. Um, and, and one of the things in it, little dinked penalty yeah. for Leicester against Borough, well, I think it was. Have was you not, said that to Doughty? Mine He's, wasn't as dinked as his. Well, his was really, cheeky, really dinked. Um, <laughs> I actually didn't see it. I went to the toilet. He was, was 2-1 <laughs> up. I went to the toilet and didn't hear anything. So I thought we must have scored. And then we come back out. Obviously, I'd seen we scored. Didn't have no idea how we scored it. Um, Doughty's got a brilliant left foot. Very, he's a player that can has played higher and can play higher again. Um, we're missing him, unfortunately, at the moment for injury. But yeah, wonderful left foot. And listen, I don't want to stop players from expressing themselves. But if you miss that penalty, you leave yourself open, don't you? So listen, he didn't. He scored, but as long as he puts the ball in the net, I'm, I'm not really bothered how it goes in. Danny Hilton's been doing it over the last few years. Now, his next two, he'll stick hard and low, maybe. And then, by that time, yeah, he can do well, another... Yeah, yeah, I remember Liam Lawrence in the playoff final. Chips it down the middle. He goes over the bar. He misses. Mansfield don't... Don't go up. The, the, I can't remember who he played. They go up. Liam Lawrence leaves and goes to Sunderland. Now, his legacy at Mansfield, he's done, yeah. he done brilliant for him. But yeah. it's a bit... Yeah, if, he, yeah. if he does it... You know, Jan Kermigan at Leicester is a good example. He's gone on to have a great career at pre-Leicester, but he, he never recovered from that. You mentioned results been it's been a good start at Swindon since you've been in charge. Uh, on the podcast, we sometimes look at the underlying performance data that we can get our hands on, things like expected goals and other such metrics. Mm. Um, I, I wondered, is that something that you 
keep abreast of, uh, want to know about, get told about, but don't want to know? Because in terms of the last two months or so, you've probably been told by your analyst or someone, Swindon projecting pretty much one of the best three, four teams in the league. So be, well, it could have been... Well, the last 16 games. Yeah. Was that, well, look at that. I'm getting a headache talking about it. So sometimes stats are great, but they can be a bit mind-boggling at times. I mean, they can't we get this? I mean, this, what's this one here? There you go. Distance distance run. So players can get up by a... I didn't run that fast. So I don't want my holding midfield player running. Yeah. I want him to be in the right position. My full-backs, then I want them to be running a lot because they need to get up and down all game. I honestly believe that you can... You can do all the stats you, you want. You know, only certain things can be really helpful. But your best stat is your eye. How yeah. did you see that game? How do you feel it went? More more often than not, what you see at the time is true. Sometimes when you go back and watch a video, it can trick you. You know, I didn't, I didn't actually see it that way. It was a little bit different to what I've seen it. But if you just concentrate on only stats, it's not a stats sport. Yeah, yeah. It's not a basketball. It's not an NFL it's, game yeah. where... It's stats, this is what you're going to do. And if he does this, you win the game. Stats, you can have 80% of the ball in football. You can get beat 4-0. Mm. Lastly, this summer, all being well, you'll have your first summer transfer window mm. as a manager. So you had January with Oldham last season. You've had January with Swindon. And everyone knows that the January transfer window compared to the summer yeah. transfer window, different beasts, right? Mm. So looking forward to that. How, how do you think your ideas about recruitment and, and how you're going to find the right players. What's the what's the plan, really? How are you going to go about it? We're planning now. We've got certain criteria, what we want from certain players in, in each position. So we're getting out watching games, watching players. We're aware of most players that are out of contract. Under 23 players that will be made available on loan. Um, and that's that's a difficult as a manager. Both times, I've, I've had two managers' jobs, and both times that I've gone in, players run on the floor confidence wise you're having to pick them up you've not had that pre-season to get you mm. this is a system that we want to play this is our go-to system that we want to play every week but if it's not working we're going to go to this system if not we're going to go to this system and you're out in the sunshine you might be in a foreign country the players have got the vests on because they like the tans on their arms but they're happy to stand around listen to information take it on board for two three hours when you get a job in November you can't have them standing around. They're cold. The, the attention levels aren't there. They'll, they'll, they'll listen to you for 30 seconds before the body tell them, I'm cold, I need to get going. So it's a big. It's going to be a big pre-season. We'll wait eight, nine weeks in terms of the fitness levels. Obviously, it's a gimmick, but that's the easy bit. It's about getting information about how we want to play, what we want to do. And then the recruitment side of it, we've, we've got a lot of players who are out of contract, so we've got to make decisions on them. I don't want to be bringing mass amounts in and I want to try and get all the players that we do bring in available for beginning of June so they're all together from the very start they can have a couple of bonding sessions they can go to pre-season together I don't want to be getting to the August transfer window where you, you've played five you've not got your team last day of the window you bring in three, four players and you change the team six times in August and you're six points from where you want to be you want to try and get your business done early get the players that you want in I'm obviously out there now identifying players and, and trying to get players in so we can attract them. The biggest thing for me is finding out what the characters are like. Mm. We obviously, again, I spoke about before, you see these players playing for opposition, you think he's a good player, he can do this, he produces that. But what are they like between the years? 
what drives him forward what is he what are ambitions are they hungry are they happy to just playing level uh, league two all the career did they want to go and earn some more money for the family have they got kids are they settled are they a young 21 year old who's got his head on his shoulders or is he a loose cannon mm. that's what you want to want to try and do so you how do you try and build the best picture of a player like that get a mixture of everyone listen I like I like lads that are quite loose but you can only have a couple of them they've got to be talented they've got to produce on the pitch mm. Um, because at League 2 you're not going to get the complete footballer you're not going to get someone who's brilliant technically he's got good pace can see a pass everything but then off the pitch he's a model professional he eats well he doesn't drink he does this he does that you ain't going to so sometimes you might have to go he's a rough diamond he's got problems but we'll work with him we'll try and improve that but on the pitch he's a good player and that's what you've got to try and, but you can only have one or two then you need solid solid people Solid professionals to do the job around them. You uh, sound very excited about it all, to be honest. No, I'm excited now. It's a it's a good club. It's a club that's waiting to take off. Um, and I felt that in the last probably six weeks, the atmosphere is coming back to the ground. People are actually looking forward to coming to the ground and seeing us win. There's been a bit of a stigma for the last two or three years about Swindon playing at home. They haven't won many games. Since we've been here, it's the first time that they've won three on the bounce for a long time. Um so we're just slowly, slowly turning it around. It never happens straight away. You'll, you'll hear that saying so many times. But it's true in football. The only way that you can produce results is be given time and then you change the feeling of a club. I can go to a club in the middle of April and if I didn't know where the two teams are playing, I'll turn up at the ground and I won't know where they are on the league table and I'll go, these are going down, these are struggling. And if you go to a promotion chasing, you'll go, these are going up, these. You can feel it in the ground. Mm. I've played at so many, so many opposition grounds when, and I've obviously been involved in, and you, you, took, you come out for the warm-up, you go, we're going to win today. We're going up. You can feel it. Mm. And that's the only way that you get success. You that, that get, create that feel-good factor, create an atmosphere that when players and supporters come into the ground, it's an, it's an environment that they want to do well in. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time. No problem. Thanks. Enjoyed it.